0: Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie, Democratic Pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican Pollster with Echelon Insights.
1: And each week, we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. Except this is the last week.
0: This is the last week. week, we used to
1: bring you the news. (laughs) This is the last
0: week. Yes. So for our listeners who... Heard the end of last week's show. You know that this is our final, our final voyage out there as the pollsters. Yeah. I mean, last week I wasn't like
1: totally in a place to talk about really anything. (laughs) The end of the pollsters, what was happening? It was like, it was hard. Week one of quarantine was hard. Week two is better. At least my mental state is better. I hope that's true for you. I hope you're still. You know, if you're you listen this far, we're we're so happy that you've been with us, and and also don't be. Don't be sad for us. Like, this was awesome. And I'm so glad that we're here for this last week to talk about what's happening right now because, you know, making sense of what's going on with um, public opinion is pretty important and volatile. You know, there's obviously, it's obviously a fluid time, but there's still polling. Polling never takes a holiday, as we've said before, and that seems to be true even now. But we have been, you know, we've been really excited to have this run. And this was, you know, not an abrupt or sad or angry or any other kind of decision other than just, you know, we're busy, we're busy gals mm. and wanted to make sure we had enough time to do all the things that that we've committed to.
0: Yeah, this was, you know, back a couple of months ago when I began doing my show for Fox Nation, What Are the Odds? Still available, although on a hiatus because of coronavirus, ironically. Uh, and then the serious show, it was like I was doing three different polling shows a week in addition to being a columnist for The Examiner and trying to run a company. And Margie, you know, with with all of the campaign work you guys do at GBAO, you know, that stuff ramping up even more so as we approach November. It just sort of seemed like this was, if we were, and this was not a decision that was made last week. This was, you know, something that, this was not abrupt, but was just sort of, it was becoming harder and harder for us to find a good time to schedule the show. And so we just sort of decided, look, the end of the Democratic primary such as it is, would be a good time to wind things down. It just so happens that it's now coming (laughs) in the midst of large stretches of no more travel and (laughs) the ability to sit at home and record podcasts. But I think we're still smart for sticking to the original plan. As sad as I am that this chapter is ending, five years of doing a podcast and building this following is, I think, a huge achievement. I'm very proud of what we have done I've been so touched by the listeners who have reached out. I know. We got an email from uh someone who I, I won't name him directly, but he is the guy who runs a very prominent, very funny uh website that is like one of my husband's favorite things on the internet. And, you know, out of the blue, this guy sends us an email and is like, hey, thanks for doing the show. And I immediately texted my husband, I'm like, you're gonna well, he was upstairs. So <laughs> but it was like, you're gonna black out when I tell you who is listening to our show. So just the 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 folks who've sent us notes and kind tweets. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've we have loved doing this show for you all. And the reaction we've gotten has just always been so great and has touched my heart. So we're it, it's I'm sad this is our final show, but I'm so glad that we we did this. And Margie, thank you to you for Telling me, hey, do you want to do a podcast, Like you know, a little over five years ago because this has been such an exciting adventure and we've gotten, we've done clients. We've had clients together because of this show. We've gone and given talks together because of this show. And that stuff will all continue, by the way. If you would like to hire a bipartisan polling team, part of why we are winding down the show is we have more time to give to (laughs) our clients. (laughs) So we'll be even better as pollsters for you because we won't be putting time into the show.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And um, yes, and we can still obviously amplify stuff that if you send us, people send us things all the time or other projects that we work on that we're able to talk about. I mean, yeah, like for folks who have been able to either gather from listening to show the show or know us in real life can tell that, you know, it's hard sometimes for us to get you know, get a time that we both can do it where we're not like immediately, you know, going to something else. You know, the studio is just a couple blocks from my office. I mean, it takes maybe five minutes to just run right over there. And when we were to record remotely, I would say, phew, I don't have to go like that extra five minutes. It's a sign that, you know, that maybe we need to loosen up our schedules a little bit. And, you know, I was doing recording the show in the back of a taxi on the way to the airport and, you know, hotel, like... (laughs) in trying to find a secret uh, like aisle in a hotel um, or like outside a ballroom where I was, you know, giving some presentation or before a focus group when I only had like a certain amount of time to spare. So, so it just made sense that, that uh, we wrap at a good moment so we can, you know, make sure we're focusing on, on the other stuff that we're doing. Anyway, what's going on this week?
0: Anything, let's let's news dig into out the there? polls. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got some fresh polling about uh, the president's response to coronavirus, whether his job approval is taking a hit or going up. Um, it's a fast-moving situation, but we've also got a lot of folks who are beginning to poll specifically on this issue. Margie's got some new Navigator polling out about people's response to the coronavirus, um, and we will dig into that as well. And then for me, I have put together a top five pollsters memories list. Oh, that's good. So we can we can run prepared. through that at the end. I, I I prepared something to wrap the show on since we don't have like a funny poll. Although we should reminisce about the funniest credit donkey polls we have featured at the end of this show. Uh, but I've got my top five memories. Uh, we will we can rip through at the end of this. Okay. So let's let's dig in. We'll talk first about president's job approval, which has made a somewhat abrupt turn for the positive. Um, it had been falling over the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, polling is in some ways a bit of a lagging indicator here because stuff is moving so fast. You know, you may be in the field uh, a Wednesday and Thursday. And then Friday, there's a press conference where things go off the rails. And then, you know, Monday and Tuesday, then there's like a normal press conference on Tuesday. And so th- stuff's changing very, very, very quickly. But as of the last couple of days, a number of polls have come out with the president's job approval ticking up. On average, in Real Clear Politics, right now it is at forty-six percent approve, fifty percent disapprove. Fifty uh, percent disapprove is the lowest disapproval has been since that like first couple of weeks of his presidency. And part of this is I'm fascinated for the most part when you ask people, do you approve or disapprove of the way Trump is handling issue X? The best has been the economy, which has been better than his overall job approval by, you know, I think about eight-ish points. And that's kind of what you're seeing with his response to coronavirus. So ABC, Ipsos has some polling out, do you approve or disapprove of the way Donald Trump is handling the response to coronavirus? 55%, according to that poll, said they approved of the way Trump was handling the response. Margie, do these numbers surprise you at all? Or do these seem like perhaps a lagging indicator from that point in time at the end of last week when it seemed like, hey, he's listening to his science advisors. We're moving forward. We've got some things passed out of Congress. What's your reaction to this?
1: Yeah, obviously – not everybody has the same experience watching Trump's performance that I personally do. I mean, that's my, my first reaction, right? And it's consistent, I think, across a couple of different outlets. It's true in Navigator, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit. It's true in a variety of different outlets. So there seems to be something kind of consistent going on with people feeling like, you know they they're seeing something that they like out of the president i think i think it's it's more in the now than thinking of, upon reflection of his earlier moves and that's true in in navigator and, that, and i think that makes sense i think people are seeing you know uh, like some sort of rallying around the flag like here's trump giving an address, making an announcement, you know, giving a regular briefing, like they're seeing some sort of action that is galvanizing. And I think you also have people who want to see some kind of leadership and success. So there might be some folks kind of rounding up a little bit there, but you know, we, we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know how, how boss, how this is and you know, we'll, we'll see how this moves over time, but it's just definitely something that seems to be, um, to be consistent. However, It hasn't translated, at least in the recent polling we've seen, to a change in the general election, although there hasn't been that much public polling on the general election matchup. All the public polls now really are looking at Trump versus Biden in the head-to-head well there's a few with Sanders also but the general election matchups are seem to be a little bit more narrowly focused but the more recent ones show uh, showed you know you know Biden up whether it's the Monmouth poll Emerson I know we take with a grain of salt Florida polls that we spoke about last week uh, Monmouth and uh, NBC Marist show Biden up uh, in Arizona even which is a you know a sign of of a challenge for Trump so we'll see how the- the general election votes changed in the weeks and months ahead as well.
0: The thing that I, I just want to leave listeners with about this story versus others is I am fascinated by the extent to which this – is not strictly 100% an issue that is cutting across expected party lines in the way that so many other things have. You know, there have been over the course of the last three and a half years, a lot of things where people have said, oh, this is the big issue, right? Okay, we've got the Mueller report. Okay, we've got Iran, Syria, you know, we've got the, the family separation. There have been tons of issues where folks have said, this is huge and has a real potential to affect the president's job approval um but really, since mid twenty eighteen his job approval has hovered in the mid to low forties and hasn't really budged a ton, even in the face of massive stories with huge impacts um but I think this one is different because I think this is the this is unlike the Mueller report or unlike big foreign policy stories, what's going on with Iran, et cetera. You can't escape it. It is affecting your life personally, and it is putting at the forefront the relationship between people and the state, between people and the government. This is not, this is something where it is very much, is your government functioning? Are they doing what they need to do? And in some ways in a less ideological fashion than normal. So while we did initially see things like Republicans taking the virus less seriously because You had folks like Trump saying, oh, it's not as big a deal. And, you know, you did have some party breaks earlier. I've actually been surprised by how narrow I think some of these party breaks are. And I think that suggests to me that if there was anything that was going to dislodge the president's job approval positively or negatively, it's something like this.
1: You know, there's been a narrowing in the party breaks in terms of concern, at least in this was uh, what is this the morning console poll, which we'll talk about a little bit. We should probably do a break before we dig deep. But I mean, this is not like I mean, you remember I've talked about this a lot. The focus groups I did in the Mueller report and we asked people, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to read some names. Just let me know what you think their job is. And Jim Comey, Robert Mueller and people are like, I don't know. Lawyer, maybe, and you know, you can't. You could escape Jim Comey and Robert Mueller news if you wanted to. You can't really escape the coronavirus. Now, there, there was, and it's changing. Of you know, now that the conversation is evolving or shifting, I should say, not necessarily evolving. It's you know, uh, mutating. There was a time when people. We're saying, you know, and there was a clear party divide. This is not an issue. This is not really serious. Like, nobody needs to panic. It's a hoax. I mean, it's not people. The president was saying this. So, you know, so that really was driving a partisan divide on how, you know, people were viewing this. And you still see some of that. And you see it in the states and the states' reactions, where some states are... You know, taking a tough stance and other, you know, in terms of restrictions and other states, you know, maybe less so. And there's a bit of a partisan divide in some of that, too. Now, the coronavirus doesn't care about all of that. So what happens when everybody has a shared experience with with actually experiencing what happens when you know there's a pandemic in your state so you know the obviously the the virus doesn't know state boundaries or party breaks so you know we'll see what happens as this continues but obviously i think the first and foremost people want to see some action and want to see some leadership and we'll we'll see if people are feeling like they're getting that out of the president
0: Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig into some of the polling about people's reactions to the coronavirus and the response to it. Um, So stay tuned here to The Pollsters. We'll be right back. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work.
2: Go to growgoogle slash certificates.
0: All right, we are back. And we've got a lot of folks that have now shifted their polling focus from a whole variety of other political questions to focusing on the big issue that is Overriding everything, and that is the coronavirus. I know in the polling world, we've got a number of polling firms and outlets that have all shifted to really have a coronavirus tracker. You have Morning Consult Mm -hmm. that has this. You have YouGov that has their coronavirus tracker. Um, They've been like pitching to people like firms like mine, like hey, if you want to add some questions at Echelon, we have uh, our omnibus survey this month, which our results are coming out later this week that's like all coronavirus all the time. And Margie, I know you all at Navigator have done this. So tell me a little bit about what you all have found. And and we can discuss that also in the context of the other public polling that's out there.
1: Yes. So Navigator is now moving to nightly tracking. This is the uh, work that we do jointly with Global Strategy Group. And folks can continue to go there to uh, navigatorresearch.org and see what's released daily. If you go there, you go to the coronavirus keep scrolling down. At least for now you can see, you know, today's memo and then yesterday's memo and you know that that'll be kind of evolving on how that um how that looks, but you should go and kind of scroll through all of it because there are quite a few things that are released in different sections. And so, you know, the first thing that is pretty dramatic is a real immediate quick drop in people's ratings of the economy. Um, So this is looking at the same kind of economic indicator from January Navigator, then an early March Navigator, where a majority of people felt that the economy was in excellent or good shape, more good than excellent, but, you know, more positive than negative. That has changed now. So now you have almost two thirds who feel that, you know, rate the economy negatively. And that's just the difference between March 6th, to, to 8th and now March 20th to 23rd. Like that's a pretty big, pretty big shift. And that's obviously a result of people kind of worrying about what's next. And, you know, the sense that like, wow, things are shutting down, but also even just what, where they are currently 41% say they know someone personally who has lost their job due to the pandemics about six and 10 know someone who's lost hours 9% say that they've personally lost their job. So, you know, so this is something that people are already uh already feeling and we're really still in the beginning of this. And then we also asked about a variety of specific worries. What are the top worries? People are particularly worried about someone close to close to them getting infected. That's a top worry. Um but they're also worried about you know, somewhat family member losing income from reduced hours at work, uh, you know, that there won't be room in hospitals or available doctors. Uh, that's something that people are worried about falling behind on bills, uh, being unable to afford emergency medical expenses. So there's a combination of both like a healthcare concern and an economic concern. They're all they're all concerns. Majorities are worried about basically everything we we tested. A little bit lower on the list is you personally getting infected with coronavirus, still a majority, but people are more worried about someone else than they are about them themselves. Being unable to visit a sick family member, I, I think is something that we should keep an eye on as this evolves, like the decisions that people have to make about, you know, seeing a family member visiting their parents or whether or not how they can help. Um I know that a lot of folks I talk to have had that just anecdotally, the people I talk to uh, are worried about that. So that's something I think we need to keep in mind and and, and look at. And then turning to Trump specifically, like with some of the public polling, people have rated the president strongly, you know, or at least more positive than negative. And that's a change from his overall approval rating. And part of that is uh, a little bit of a, of a boost among Democrats than in previous polls in terms of not just handling, but also his approval rating. At the same time, A majority feel, you know, the word that best describes his response so far is unprepared. And next up is serious. And then third is chaotic. So, you know, so those are the top three words. What's seen as, you know, less descriptive is honest and is one of the less descriptive ones. Competent is low on the list. Partisan is also a little bit lower on the list. And erratic, those are, you know, a little bit lower. But the ones that are seen as the most descriptive unprepared, chaotic, and and serious. And then this is kind of related to what you were talking about earlier. How do people view his current response versus his initial response? Initially, when I say, you know, thinking back, how do you think Trump and his administration were doing? A majority say he didn't take it seriously enough. When asked about it now, what do you think about his current response? A plurality, 44% say getting it about right versus not doing enough. But you know, when asked to think back, fewer than a third say he got it about right. And a majority said did not take it seriously enough. So that's, that sort of gives you a sense of sort of how people are viewed him now versus um, where they were before. And um, the things that are particularly concerning are things like, you know, CDC telling nurses and doctors to use bandanas because there aren't enough. Protective gear, not having not enough tests, not doing enough tests at all, remaining far behind in production on masks and tests and laying off pandemic staff. So like, you know, things about like cuts to our preparedness are the concerns that people feel are the most troubling.
0: Yeah, this is – I feel like the the poll number out of uh, all of the public polling I've seen that has stuck the most with me is uh, – this comes from Monmouth where they asked about individual you know, agencies, people, groups, how do you feel about each of the following and how they have done – have they done a good or bad job dealing with the coronavirus outbreak? Governors are getting great responses from this, that 72% of people think their state's governor has done a good job – and the fall off is pretty significant to Trump. Although again, I would expect that largely. I mean, people have pretty strong views on the president that are going to drive a lot of this. Where if it, states' governor, seventy two percent said they he's they're doing a good job. Fifty um, percent say Trump is doing a good job. Health agencies in the federal government also get pretty good ratings at sixty five percent. The American public is the toughest on themselves and on Congress and on the media. And Trump's favorite adversaries are. Congress and the media. So he seems to be at least at the moment slightly ahead of them. People are are preferring executives to what they're seeing in, in Congress for sure. But then the media is reporting on the outbreak. Uh, 45% say that's been good. 43% say it's been bad. And then the American public gives themselves pretty bad ratings. I assume this is not people rating themselves personally. It's people saying the public generally, everybody else. But 38% think that the public is doing a good job. 45% think that the public is doing a bad job. And look, you've got these, you know, video clips of like, oh, look at these moron kids at spring break and whatever The good news is that from the ABC Ipsos poll, which, by the way, does that mean ABC and Washington Post are not doing a poll together anymore? Have they this uh, this is interesting. I have to dig in more to this. Is ABC still doing stuff with Washington Post with the the Gary Langer and company still run? Is this in addition? I bet you this is in addition to something something polling insidery thing to, to research. Anyways, I digress. They found um, they asked people, How concerned are you that you or someone you know will be infected with the coronavirus? And they found most people are pretty concerned. 34% are very concerned, 45% somewhat concerned, but that there is very little divide by age on this. And that in fact, it is 18 to 29 year olds who are the most likely to say they are concerned about getting the illness. So, this idea that the kids just don't care and they all want to go out drinking and putting grandma and grandpa at risk. Is not true. Don't believe the narrative that you see it is more complicated than that. There we have my final pollsters defense of the kids. I know. I was gonna I was waiting I had to for get that. one in under the wire.
1: Yeah, I don't like this is a digression. Like I understand, obviously, from a health perspective, you know, I get the ire directed at younger people for being like, whatever, I'm gonna have a Corona party. You know, I I obviously get that at the same time, we should not be shocked that the young people are doing that. And then it's, and just because there's like some people are on television sort of boasting about it doesn't mean that every young person behaves the same way. That's the second thing. And the third thing is there hasn't been a consistent standard. Like there hasn't been like, okay, this is what we're doing country. We are all going in our houses, leave only for groceries, period. Like it's varied from place to place. So, you know, if some governors are not closing everything, and some governors are, then we can't get mad for young people for, you know, enjoying the freedom that some states still have. That's a failure on our consistency of our response, not like up for individuals to, you know, all be their own kind of CDC.
0: Yeah. Uh, Like, so Orange County, where my family lives, they just this week- got a you stay-in-home order. But my dad sent me the text of it, and it includes an exemption for outside physical activities and specifically excludes golfing. So you <laughs> oh, are right, not allowed it. to leave your house, but if you want to golf, you can golf. So thanks, Central Florida, for being you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. What? You don't think golf is an, a good excuse to leave your house? No.
1: I mean, look, everybody wants to leave their house, right? So, like, okay, it's not, everybody has a thing that hey, they speak say, for well, yourself. I should be allowed, Everybody has, a. I mean, everybody has a desire to leave their house, right? So for the most part. And so, you know, some people get their thing exempted and other people don't. I don't think that's right. Anyway, but that's fine.
0: Well, in this, you know, people's lives are changing a lot as a result of this. And Axos, Ipsos, Ipsos is really getting in the the game this time. We got a lot of their polls in our show today. How the coronavirus is changing Americans' lives. They've been tracking this into week to week. They're now showing that a significant number of Americans actually are saying their emotional well-being has gotten worse in the last week, up to 43%. 22% have been furloughed, suspended, or told not to work. Uh, 39% have self-quarantined. And then a a lot of people have said they have either had an event or public conference of some kind canceled. They've attempted to visit a store and it was closed. Um, That has dramatically increased. Um, And the percentage who say they've visited friends or relatives or gone out to eat has dropped. Although you still have a third who say they've visited friends or relatives and a quarter who say they have gone out to eat. So still a lot of people engaged in some kind of going out activity. Here in D.C., I feel both very lucky like it's interesting. I have some friends that are like I want to go Airbnb a house like out in the mountains. I don't want to be around a big city as this gets worse. But I'm I'm I mean, if you have the luxury of doing that, you are extremely fortunate. But I I kind of like that I can walk out of my house and very easily be at a CVS to go pick up medicine or restock on bread or whatever and get home and not have to you know, it, it all feels like the stuff is pretty easily accessible to me. I feel like I feel very badly for folks in rural areas who are having trouble accessing healthcare and there's only one hospital yeah. that covers for a long, long way. And how do you know how many ventilators they're going to have? So, right. I mean, there's there's no good answers in all of this, but I have I feel very fortunate that I can do my job remotely for the most part. and And I can't imagine what it's like to have kids at home you know, trying to work from home. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful time. I I texted Margie this thing last week. (laughs) It was a it was a collection of clips. And I actually don't know the actor's name, but he plays Riker on Star Trek. And I guess he hosted some show where it's a it's a collection of him asking questions that are things like have you ever wanted to write your name in cement? Have you ever wondered why restaurants these days have so many themes to them? Have you ever gone a wander in under, under the clear blue sky? Have you ever met a tall, tall man? Like it's just a random it's series like of questions. Sh- says, shortcuts, like quick cuts to
1: make it funnier. Quick cuts like between right all right, of these you know, totally unrelated
0: strange questions and it's like this is what it's like working at home with a four-year-old and I was like this sounds like Margie's son very much so
1: (laughs) and I was on a call like yesterday and it's like mommy is there such a thing as a fire breathing duck I'm like right okay (laughs) this is you're like that guy you're like the guy that Kristen sent me a tweet about yeah that's exactly what it's like."
0: So I I really feel for the the parents out there who are trying to juggle all of this. I feel really badly for the folks who are being furloughed without pay and don't know how they're going to make ends meet this next month. I mean, there are, this has been, it is insane to me to think that like two and a half weeks ago, I was coming back from a trip to my friend's wedding in Aruba and was like, huh, I, you know, my, I think my fellowship at Chicago is going to get canceled. That'll be a bummer. And now it's like, the world is unrecognizable for me. Yeah. And and I, and I have to imagine for so many people, it is, it is unrecognizable in a much worse way. It's unrecognizable for me in that like I have caved and have re-signed up for World of Warcraft. Like that is not a hardship. That is an affliction. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a lot of people are going through a, a lot of worse stuff. And my hope is that the polling world at least can continue to remind folks here in D.C., that your coronavirus experience is not the same as what many Americans may be experiencing, and that that needs to be kept in mind as public policy choices are being made. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will reminisce our favorite, the pollsters' memories, top comforts during this coronavirus quarantine, and what have we learned over the last five years? Okay. We're back. So I made a list of my top five, the pollsters memories. Uh, the first, or we'll go in, in reverse order. So number five is discovering amazing British television shows because of you, Margie. <laughs> if it weren't for you. I have another one. I have another one for you. Oh, okay. Cause I've, I've would never have watched bodyguard. I might've never watched fleabag and my life is so much better for having watched those shows. So yes. I am so grateful the- that we had many, many weeks when we like, I think we spent the first five minutes of the show talking about Bodyguard instead of about polling. And that was very deeply rewarding.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. Well, the one that we're watching right now is called The Stranger. It has nothing to do with the Albert Camus novel. This is, you know, this is about uh this is an English, you know, English show. It's good. It's not going to change your life in the way Bodyguard and Fleabag will, but it is a good it is a nice distraction. It is a distraction that does not really feel, you know, it's in modern times and so on. It's just sort of like interconnecting stories, but does it really have to do with anything that's happening right now? So it's a good bit of a good distraction.
0: Well, if you are a listener who is looking for good TV recommendations, if you have not yet watched The Good Place... I highly, 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 highly recommend it. Each episode is 22 minutes. It is very digestible. It is amazingly funny. It is incredibly smart. I am stunned that it made it as a network sitcom for as long as it did, being as like sneakily highbrow as it is in some ways. It, I mean, it is. it's extraordinary. It's hilarious. The cast is delightful. If you're looking for a good binge watch, I cannot recommend it more strongly. Okay. So number four on Kristen's top memories from the pol- the pollsters, the great Elote gate of, <laughs> what was that? That was barbecue foods, right? We were talking about like 4th of July barbecue food. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that was me discovering that people put mayonnaise on corn. My on-air est- astonishment to discover this. Uh, and the <sighs> fact that I have now seen Elote pop up literally everywhere since then Uh, as a topping uh, on a sweet uh, green salad, as a thing that you could get as a side at the coffee shop near my house that also serves like little sandwiches and things. I mean, I have seen Elote everywhere and I like corn. I like cheese. I like spices. Maybe I'll give this a try once we get grilling season back in in action. Uh, Number three is the great scorpion debacle. (laughs) of last fall <laughs> of coming home and discovering that I had a dead scorpion in my suitcase and this becoming a thing that Margie's son was like very focused on. Is he still focused on the scorpion?
1: Um, yeah. I think there's other things occupying his mind <laughs> currently.
0: <laughs> so we, we
1: have now, we are not like, we're not spending a lot of time talking about birthday parties. Cause we don't know. he Like for a while he was like, I want a scorpion themed birthday party. And so you know, right now, we're just focusing on the today, not on the summer, what happens next. We're just focused in the here and now.
0: Yep. That makes sense. Uh, number two on my list was the episode we taped at like noon, the day after the 2016 election, where I had just taken a train back from New York because I had been on Good Morning America that morning. And I had my tall boy of Corona. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, ironic it comes full circle, and we just we just let our feelings out, and there were so many of them, so many feelings. Right. That was that was an episode that I will remember forever. And then, last but not least, my actually favorite pollster's memory was the live show that we taped at the Harvard Institute of Politics Campaign Managers Institute, where we interviewed Tony Fabrizio and Joel Benenson about their experience as pollsters for the Clinton and Trump campaigns, I feel like that episode needs to go down in like the historical record for people who are writing like the history of the 2016 campaign. Because so the rest of that IOP campaign managers thing went a little off the rails later on that day. There was that like big <laughs> clash between, was it Kellyanne yeah. Conway and Jennifer Palmieri? I forget who the like battle yes. was yes. between. Yes, But it, it went rogue. Yes. it was rogue. And so, you know, any discussion of the general election, like the whole point of the IOP campaign manager institute or you know session, is to sort of record the oral history of what happened. Um, and here the campaign sort of swap stories, and oh, you guys did this. Well, when you were doing that, we were assuming you were going to do this other thing, and it it didn't totally turn out like that in twenty sixteen. But um, I do feel like we captured some really valuable stuff in that episode, and that. I still, to this day, without
1: any fighting, without
0: any fighting, it was it was fascinating. So, if you are looking to go back and listen to any like greatest hits from the pollsters, I highly recommend going back and finding that episode. I'll try to dig it up and tweet it out so that uh, folks can easily find it. But that was top of my list.
1: Um, you know, and I still think about some like we had said to Fabrizio, we had said to Fabrizio, like, oh, there's this great quote about you that you're the type of pollster who will tell somebody, you know, like you're a doctor who's going to say you're going to die. And Joel Benenson said, well, that's not really going on in a limb. We're all going to die. <laughs> I felt like that was like dark and funny. And, uh, and as a conversation have in this thing, I was like, well, this is taking an odd turn. <laughs> this is not how panels you Usually go <laughs> anyway. So yeah, that, I I enjoyed that. It's like the one time. It was the one time that like we that we had an interview or show that made actual new, like legit news. You know, that was I think the one time. So that was good. <laughs> that was
0: that was good. I loved that. It is also, I just have very fond memories of, for our listeners who may be newer, uh, you may not realize how many different iterations of, like, attempting to produce this show we have had. But we began taping this show in the little tiny closet of a recording booth at Purple Strategies in Old Town. And then, and it was like, Margie and I would set up our gear every week. Like, she would bring this duffel bag full of a mixing board and cables and mics. And we would just sit there and we'd have to plug everything in and that would take like 10 minutes. And we'd like, okay, wait, well, Kristen's mic's not working. What's happening? What did we plug in right? Hang on, hold on. Ah. And so it's been so wonderful to evolve to a place where we've had Richard helping us. So again, if you are a listener and you are thinking about, hey, I now have a lot of free time. I want to launch a podcast. Talk to Richard and the folks at his team. They have been fantastic. And it's so nice not to set up gear. It's so easy to do this remotely. They are awesome. Okay. So I
1: have a few, like, what is happening right now. Like, again, focused on the here and now. I think there will be, well, you may hear about it after the fact, a show about, and I'm sure there will be others too, but you should listen to the one that uh, that I think Richard's putting together about um, things that people are doing to kind of handle the Corona time. So I just have a few that are happening right this minute. So take some of these you may have heard of, but I have a few others. The one that is like occupied our household that's taken over our household in a very good way is it doesn't have a very interesting name. It's just art for kids hub and you can find it on YouTube. And it's like a punk rock guy who wears like, he's like a nineties hipster, wears like red hot chili pepper sh- t-shirts and stuff drawing like Hearts and milkshakes and Harry Potter cartoons with smiley faces for like eight year old to ten year old girls like, and boys around the country, and he has like a bajillion views and and I'm and I'm like a I'm an artist now, like I've made like a thousand of these things, like they have like <laughs> occupied our household for a long time. So, I <laughs> I highly recommend them. I'm gonna have to like give him some give him some money and online love because he's occupied our children for a long time. King Arthur Flower is where you go for all things baking. Everybody's baking up a storm and we're no exception here. Story time online where celebrities read books. That's a good one. That's like good conference call and Brain Pop is the other one. Those are the two good like conference call Teachers. <laughs> when mom and dad have conference calls. I, those are the ones that are really good. And then Mo Willems, who does like a lot of kids books, he's in he's at the Kennedy Center right now. And he does he's kind of like soothing, but also strangely odd lunchtime shows where he shows you how to draw all his various characters. And he's like, this is a weird time. (laughs) Let me show you the drawers where I keep all my illustrations. Like it's a little kooky, (laughs) but it's really good. And then uh, we have also like, I've put up all like white Christmas lights in my front yard and put like paper lanterns out, like anything to kind of create cheer. And then uh, what else do we do? Like my father-in-law does like Western civilization lessons to all the grandchildren. Maybe there's somebody in your family who can like teach Something, anything, you know, to your kids. I mean, I, I, nobody really got anything out of it, but it was entertaining to watch. Uh, and then I gave my son a choice. Do you want to learn how to do laundry or do you want to learn how to bake a pie? And he picked laundry. So what?
0: That was, oh, mistake. That was a highlight.
1: Mistake. That was a highlight. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was pretty proud. I was like, maybe today is not so bad. (laughs) So anyway, those are my, those are my uh,
0: picks. We've been at at Echelon because we're all working remotely. We have turned, you know, we do our staff meeting check-in via Zoom. And then I today did a uh, presentation to the team on, essentially, here's why Kristen is such a psychopath about decks and presentations Like this is our chance to make sure that our client understands what we found in the survey and in a format that they can share with everyone else on their team. This is where we really have to shine. And so I went through things like each slide should convey one piece of information. That doesn't mean one number. You can have lots of numbers, but they all need to be conveying a singular takeaway. Don't have like six takeaways on a single slide. It's too much. Um, Make sure you're using colors that provide visual information that directs the eye to what the most important thing is. Like, so I did my whole lecture today. Patrick is going to do a a lecture on Friday about uh, weighting techniques. And Mm -hmm. uh, for the folks on our team who may not be as embedded in the survey methodology side of what we do, going to teach them about that. So we're using this too to like do internal, uh, you know, class time. Everybody gets to teach a lesson. So I was more than happy to give everybody my, like, philosophical take on, like, here is how I approach every presentation I give and why I'm such a nightmare to work with whenever you have to make a deck for me.
1: (laughs) Have you done any, like, uh, happy hours or, like, any of those kinds of things with your office?
0: Yes. Well, so not with the office. I did brunch with two of my girlfriends on – Saturday and I showed up with brunch. Like I made myself mm-hmm. French toast and a mimosa and I'm sitting there in front of my right. computer and then they log on. And what? my friend Sarah is like in bed still. I'm like, we're supposed to be having brunch. I'm the only one eating. I don't want to eat in front of you guys. This feels weird.
1: <laughs> As opposed to otherwise it's, you know, totally normal.
0: <laughs> well, but if I, if I went out to brunch with friends and I yeah. only, I ordered something, I would feel weird about it. So I'm like, okay, yes. I'm going to sit here and eat my French yeah, post. Well, you all look at me on a webcam, and then I, I played Drawful. So there's this. It's a game you can play. You have to it's, it's get a complicated, little complicated how you set it up. But we used Zoom, um, and my uh, my brother-in-law set it up. They have this game where it's like Pictionary, except the prompt you get is super weird. So you might get a prompt that is like happy scorpion party. And you're like, what? And you have to draw happy scorpion party. But then they put the drawing up on the screen and everybody has to guess what they think it is. And then all of the guesses go up on the screen. So somebody might say happy scorpion party, but you might also have like bowl of Cheerios, like confusing tour guide. Like you might have things that just make no sense. And then everybody has to guess which of the guesses they think is right. And Mm. this is, is very fun to play remotely. And it was me my two sisters, my parents, both my brothers-in-law. So we had all seven of us all playing together, and it was a lot of fun. Um, so that's how oh, we socialized. A lot of video conferencing socialization. So Margie, if you at any point want to grab a glass of wine, that's cool. Now that we're not doing this show anymore, we can still hang out via Zoom during yeah and get a drink we can have pulled. what time is it
1: <laughs> no i, I, I don't can't know. do that yet i uh, <laughs> we were outside at, talking with the neighbors of socially appropriate distance right and um and somebody's like yeah i i think it's you know it's going to rain tomorrow and saturday it's you know really stinks i'm like okay but i have a hard question for you what is it today? What day is it today? <laughs> like, what is it right now? Is it Tuesday or
0: Wednesday? <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it's hard sometimes to keep track. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, Margie, what have we learned today and over the last five years? Well, that's
1: a big question, but I have a few things here. First is I learned how to plug all the cables into the thingy where the cables go. At least at one point I knew how to do that. That was, as David Foster Wallace would say, a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. People will often agree to be on a podcast. Thank you to all of our great guests. Ga- I mean, we've had some incredible guests. Ga- I mean, we had Chuck Todd on the show. Um, yeah. Kelly and Conway, of course on the show many years ago, we've had, you know, tons of reporters on, we've had like almost every pollster in the industry on folks should go back and, and uh, take a look. Um, It's a, it has been a real delight to have so many folks in the industry on. And we've always loved when listeners have reached out, sent us emails, sent us tweets, like approached us in person. That's a fun thing that people have done, like walking on the Hill or someone came up to you, uh, you know, at a coffee shop, Kristen, like at my office, when I, you know, when they made like an announcement, like, oh, you know, Margie's going to be joining all the, the wonderful folks in my office were like, We listen to the pollsters. We know exactly who she is. So we just love when people like reach out and, you know, say they've been listeners all the time, clients, friends, et cetera. And also, I'm just like so happy about how much fun we've had together. Kristen, I am more been happy being the Rhoda to your Mary any day. I know you're a little young to like fully immerse yourself in that reference, but it is, it is a charitable reference for both of us. Um, And I've just really, it's been such a delight doing this with you. And obviously I know we're still going to, you know, hang out and be, and work together, but it's just been fantastic.
0: This has been such an amazing ride. Thank you to all of the guests who have come on the show. Thank you to all of the listeners who have been with us for all of this time. And Margie, thank you to you for being the inspiration for this, for, for working so hard on this, even in times when I was slacking off and would just pop into the script five minutes before the show. And I'm like, all right, what are we talking about? Uh, so I, I owe a great debt to you for, for being the one who came up with this and for uh, shepherding this all along the way. Even when the show is over, you can still find us on Twitter at The Pollsters. I don't know how much longer we'll keep that. Presence alive, Been, will still be there as an archive, I assume, um, but we'll definitely still be available at at KSoltis Anderson and at Margie O'Meiro. Uh And if you really desperately want to hear the sound of my voice, you can still do so on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel One Twenty Four every Saturday morning at ten AM. The Trendline with Kristen Soltis Anderson will be there, and then if you are a Fox Nation subscriber, and if you are not, you should be. There is lots of interesting stuff on there. I will still have my show. Uh, there. What are the odds, which comes out every Friday at 10 a.m. That is on hiatus for the moment because I cannot go up to the New York Bureau of Fox News. But once we get past all of this, the show will be coming back online. Um, So stay tuned for more of that. And just thank you all again so much. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Oh, I'm so sad.